0: and the adrenaline hits you. Now, that's a good thing if you stepped out in the road in front of a truck and said, oh, and you got to get out of the way. You want that extra boost of energy, but the problem with stress is that when we have chronic, that means recurring constantly every hour of every day, of every week, of every month, and every year, it is stress, stress, stress. And we are built to handle stress, but not chronic, ongoing, never-ending stress. Matter of fact, there's there's studies that show that stress is a killer. Hundreds and hundreds of scientific and medical studies have shown that chronic stress in our life is dangerous and devastating to our physical health, damaging to our brain, deadly to our body. Stress, that is chronic stress, can kill you. Last week we talked about spiritual health and we talked about the habits for, you know, the the habits you need to develop for spiritual health, and you learn that in life group. And I'm pleased I've seen a lot of great life group reports. And again, today starts week two. So tonight, whoever's life group is tonight will be on physical health uh, from stressed to blessed. And again, let me remind you about these things. It is not a repeat of what I'm preaching. It is totally different. When you get to life group, Pastor Rick Warren is going to be sharing a 25-minute devotion. And by the way, you've got an outline in your seat right now to take notes. I meant to tell you this last week, and I apologize. So you can take notes as I go through the message today. This is totally different than what you'll get tonight or in your life group throughout the week. But the uh, but today, we're gonna uh, shift gears a little bit, and we're gonna talk about habits for physical health. Not, not spiritual health, we know there's certain habits for spiritual health, but habits that we need to develop for, for physical health, and you see, Uh, What I wanna do right now is look at the effect of stress on our body and what the Bible says is the answer or the antidote for that. You see, if you're a little tired, if you're a little worn down, if you're a little wayward and stressed out, you picked a good time to come to church, amen? Because we're gonna help you get your life right. You see, we're gonna look at things and we're gonna identify some things right now. Here's seven things that cause stress in your life. Now, I probably don't need to name them because you might be able to look around and see a few people that cause stress in your life. But the number one thing that causes stress in your life is worry. Worry, we worry about all kinds of things. You see, things have changed and we live in a fast paced world. You know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we never had to worry about a cell phone ringing. If you was away from home, you just had peace. You never had to worry about the sound of a little tweet or, or uh, a text or is the boss calling has he got me on the electronic leash you didn't have to worry about that you, you didn't have to worry about identity theft 30 years ago it just didn't have you didn't worry about it i mean uh because it wasn't around the things that we worry about today you know when I, when i was a kid i walked to school literally over a mile to grade school i wouldn't dare let my grandkids walk to school not even a block And I think we live in a decent county, don't get me wrong, but this ain't gonna happen. I'll put them on a bicycle before that happens. You see, because we just have to worry about things because people are crazy now. Our society's lost its civility. So worry is number one. The next thing is hurry. Man, this one hit me right here, bam. Hurry comes from the increasing pace in life. You see, since we've gotten things faster now, we got an iPhone, we don't gotta wait up till we get home and check our answer machine anymore and listen to 20 minutes of calls, man, we get them instantly and we get them on the go so we can be more productive, we can make more money, yada, 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 yada. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You know, um, so would you agree with me that it seems like the world is going faster and faster? We've gone and got ourselves in a big old hurry. Why do I have to live so fast? Why do I have to drive so fast? I don't know the answer to that, but we, we live in this microwave nanosecond, you know, uh, world and speed creates stress. huh? If you, if you run through town, you <laughs> now if you just sort of and driving Miss Daisy, looking around, you know, that's all right. But if you're worried, if you're gonna be able to keep it, you know, in the roadway, that's a little stressful. So the third thing that causes great worry is crowds. There's people that say, man, you get in a crowd of people, boy, that that stresses me out. You see, life used to be rural in our country and now everybody's moved to the city. If you hadn't even noticed, like right now, Camden, uh, it has grown, some of you lived here before the base came and then we got ourselves urbanized, so to speak. And now if the spaceport comes, and I hope it does, Uh, we'll have a whole lot more jobs. We'll have a whole lot more people. There'll be more roads, more houses, more cars. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, what does that mean for me in the line of work that I do? More souls for the kingdom of God. So, um, but life is fast-paced. Did you know 83% of Americans now live in a large city? In the 1800s, did you know there was only one city in the world or on the earth that had over a million people in it, and that was London? You know, but now there's 500 cities in the world that have over a million people in them. And then you got places that are what called mega cities that are just massive like Tokyo and Mexico City and on and on and on and on. As a matter of fact, a study said in the traffic jams in some of the busiest places in the world, they wasted over 4 billion hours in traffic jams costing 6 billion gallons of gasoline. Now, that's stressful, especially if gas is $3 a gallon. Y'all with me? Say amen. So a fourth stressor is multiple choice. Let me me say this. You know, when I lived in Claxton, Georgia, uh, you know, we got ready to go eat on Sunday. Where do y'all want to go? Ms. Rogers or Lex's? You know, I mean, you had you like, uh, crystal, I mean, no, I don't even had crystal, burger, uh, McDonald's maybe or something. But on Sunday for a sit-down deal, it was kind of like, uh, you know, that's it. You didn't have to really think, of, well, we ate at Ms. Rogers' last week, we ate at Lex's this week. Or Harry's barbecue, I, there might have been three. But the thing is, now, it's like toothpaste. You know, years ago, you just bought a tube of toothpaste. And, and that's what it was. But now you have got, you know, whitening toothpaste. you got sensitive toothpaste. you got deep cleaning. To- you got 60 kinds of toothpaste. So you stand there and you got to look at all the kinds of toothpaste that you can have. Oh, my God. You know? And if you don't believe what I'm telling you is true, and, and listen, y'all know that women know everything, right? That's a fact. They know everything. Ask one of them where to go to lunch right after we leave here. They can't tell you. Okay. Well, there's Applebee's, well, there's Ruby Tuesday's, well, well there's Sunny's, well, there's this. There's only one thing I know for sure, you ain't going to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> they understand what it's like to rest on the Sabbath. Now, for them, your Sabbath might be a different day. But, but I just thought I'd throw that out to you. So then you got to think about that. And then there's the loss of privacy. We ain't got no privacy no more. If you believe, listen, a couple things. Uh, if you think you've got privacy, if you've got um, Facebook or Twitter or any of these things, Snapchat, Instagram, you ain't got privacy. How is it that I'm doing a little search for a little battery pack for my wife because she's so wi fi out. Uh, the phone dies about three times a day. And so I said, let me buy one of these little sales so she can even be more busy. And uh, so I hooked this thing up and yeah, I get this thing off of Amazon, twenty-five, thirty dollars And then all of a sudden, every time I get on Facebook, now that little gadget pops up on Facebook. In other words, would you like to buy me? In other words, Big Brother knows I've been looking at that on Amazon.com already. So they're suggesting. The other day I bought a compressor and uh, all of a sudden I got every kind of compressor from Husky to Ingersoll Rand and you name it, Porta Cable. Everybody wants to sell me a compressor now on Facebook because I bought one a couple weeks ago. Are you with me? Say amen. So we ain't got no privacy no more. That's just how it is. And then... Um, Then there's this thing called pluralism where, did you know years and years ago, 100 years ago, everybody in the country kind of somewhat believed in the mainstream of the Baptist, the Methodist, the, the Assembly of God, the Church of God. In other words, when I say that, and we might differ on some things, but we knew that Jesus was the only begotten Son of the Father. We know he was born of the Virgin Mary. We know that he came and he, you know, sacrificed his life and died for us and he rose again. We, we, we agreed on those major deals. But now pluralism has got us where, you know, the Muslims believe this. The Buddhists believe this. The, you know, this one's believe that. and They believe the other. And, and then you got all the cults. That's out. In other words, we have a pluralistic society. That's why in the government now they can't back a one particular religion because they got so many people in the country. Some of them are of the religion of Satan. And as a religion, as far as they, they look at So they, these things cause stress. The pluralism of society. And then the fear of the future. This is a big one, and, and then I'm gonna jump into the scripture, but, but the what ifs. Uh, now, you've never lived until you live with somebody. Well, what if this happens? And What if that happens? And What what if we don't get this loan? And what if you don't get that job? And what if the kids die going to Orlando? And what if Mickey Mouse is not there when I get to Disney? And. <laughs> You know, we just flip our lid on the what ifs. What if, what if, what if, what if, and we worry ourselves to death. But here's what the psalm says, and I'm gonna read it kind of quick. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. He makes me lie down in lush green meadows. He leads me beside calm waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So then... Let me give you, if I may, I've gave you the seven stressors. So I wanna give you the seven um, habits coming out of Psalm 23 that are gonna help you deal with life and reduce that stress. Are you with me? Say amen. So first of all, worry. Everybody's worried about something. It seemed like worry, worry, worry. Did you know it is a sin to chronically worry? The Bible says what man can add one cubic to his stature because of worrying? You can't add one millimeter to your height because of worrying. You can a matter of fact, all the science tells us that you stress your body out. You, you set yourself up for a stroke. You set yourself up for a heart attack. You set yourself up for a nervous breakdown because you worry, worry, worry. Many times about things that ain't never going to happen. Anyway, so, so number one, here's the first habit you need to write down, is I need to look to God for all of my needs. The first thing David said we need to do, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Look to God to meet your needs. So listen, the single change in your life is you'll stop looking to other people. Some of you are looking, man, if my husband would just finally meet my needs or if my wife would meet my needs or if my girlfriend or if my pastor or my church or, or this one, look to God. See, there are people who come to church to be seen. There are those who come to church to be heard. There are those who come to church to serve there are those who come to church for the, to show off, and then there are those who come for the right reason, and that is they come for God. Amen. And it don't really bother them that Sister Susie had a qual, you know, some sort of uh, uh, argument with Brother Bob or Brother Big Ears or whatever, but they can work that out. But I didn't come here to hear that. I come here to understand that he's gonna take me through the fire again. And you know what? is going to be arguing somebody's always going to see things differently but i didn't come for you i came for him and my relationship with him and what you do ain't going to change that amen and if i go or you go it ain't going to change the fact that he is all i need some people put their security in their job, some in their marriage. Well, what happens when you lose your job or you lose your spouse? Or, or some people put their security in money. What happens when you lose your money? That very well could happen as your pastor and as your friend. Let me say this. Don't put your hope in things that you can lose. Don't put stock in that that can walk out. Hello? Put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will not be ashamed. He is all I need. If money walks out, he's still there. If Kelly walks out, he's still there. If my family abandoned me, he's still there. Even if I act a fool and get kicked out, he's still there if I reach out to him. So the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. Romans 8 says, since God did not spare his own son, but he gave him to us, Uh, Won't he surely give us everything we need? Yes, he'll give us everything we need. So listen, the logic is obvious. If God loved you enough to send his son Jesus for you, he can take care of your needs. Lord, I knew it'd be uh, tough to get all this in here. He's my shepherd. So what he's saying is the first step to reduce stress in your life is to worship. Little plug right here for the Worship and Arts team. When you come to the house of God, you need to forget the experience you had in the driveway of your house before you got here. That's the devil's favorite time is 15 minutes before church. Your wife's gonna lose her hairbrush and you used it to clean your shotgun or something. I don't know. <laughs> she misplaced something or you misplaced something and, and man, you're gonna get into a tiff or an argument right there because the devil wants no, he would love no better for you to say, well, I just ain't going. I'm gonna just sit here and sulk. And you see, but when you get to the house of God, you ain't gotta wait till the first, uh, you, know, you know, one, two, three, you ain't gotta wait for that. We got prelude music going. When you get into the four, you hear, oh yes, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord, and I enter into his courts with thanksgiving, or into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. So I've come to worship God if the car's broke. I come to worship him if the house is broke. I've come to worship him if my relationship is broke and my boss is broke and I don't have what I want. I still love God and say he's all I need. Lord, I ain't through there, but I gotta move on. The next uh, thing you need to know is I need to obey God's instructions about rest. This is the second habit you need. It comes out of um, the psalm. He says, you need, in, you need to obey God's instruction about rest. This is where it hit me right here, so I'm going to take my time here. I got to obey God's instruction about rest. So much of stress in my life comes from always being in a hurry, always working too much, always feeling like I got to get this done and I've got to get that done and all of the overwork and I just can't get. you. So Some of you understand what I'm talking about. You, you understand where I'm going with this? In other words, you know what we do? Now, Sunday's not my day off. You know, you gotta have a Sabbath. The Bible says that God created everything created in six days, and on the seventh day, God rest. You with me? But here's what we do. We, we, we come to church now, and again, Sunday's not my day off, it's Friday. But really and truly, if I'll be honest with you, I don't have one <laughs> yet. But that's one of my goals in my Transform journal is to make the Sabbath be a Sabbath. Don't call it your day off because if it's a day off, you feel like you can cheat it. But if it's God's day, that's a different story. But some of us, you know what? You, you come today and you're, it's your Sabbath and you get here and you, you check in, man, and you, you do your worship and you go home and you start working on your business. Yep. And you work way on into the night now on your business and you get up early in the morning, you go to your real job. And, and then you work that job, and then when you get off in the evening, you start working on your side job, and, and you know you don't—you're not able to make Wednesday night because you got side work or whatever—and and all of these things. And so, in other words, you work all six days, and then you blow the Sabbath, so you've worked seven days, and you never rest. Therefore, we get sicker and sick. But see, because our body will remind us eventually that you are running me too hard. My mama's gonna call me when she's. And she's going to say, son, you need to turn that thing on and listen to yourself again. (laughs) She told me the other day, son, you are burning the candle at both ends, and it's going to catch up to you. So... We have to understand that our body is made for cycles. We work six days and we take a day off and we rest. And we work six days and we take a day off and we rest. But, but I'm the world's worst because if I'm not at the church and I'm not building a sermon and I'm not building furniture or I'm not doing this, I, I'm doing something with one of the kids. Or I'm doing something with the cars or I'm doing something here or I'm jumping out of airplanes. And that is relaxing to me, by the way. But what I'm simply saying is, I'm gonna have to just take this one for the team right here and say, I'm the icon of that person that don't honor the Sabbath as much as I should. So there. If I'm guilty, I bet some of you are. Lord have mercy, where's time going? So so what am I gonna do? Uh, How am I gonna fix this? You know what? On, On the Sabbath, there's something that I've got to do. I have got to rest my body I gotta rest my body. Your body is designed to work and it is designed for stress, but it's also designed. Why did God rest? Let me ask you, why did God rest? Did he need to, did he get tired? No, the Bible says, haven't you heard? God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He didn't get tired or weary. The young men get weary and those bust up guys, they get faint, but God doesn't get tired. Why did he rest? To give you and I a model. For this physical body that we have, that we work six days and then we rest. That's why he gave it to us in the seasons. We don't know it quite as much down here anymore because it's 40 degrees this morning, it'll be 100 by nighttime. But you understand what I'm saying? That we have seasons where we plant and then we grow and then we harvest and then the fall comes and everything turns brown and turns loose and dies off and then the winter and we turn the ground and we get it ready and then the season. What he says is likewise in, you know, even your heart, there is a pressure and down. Pressure. You know what I'm saying? It's peaks and valleys and we cannot, you cannot, you, you know what? In the Daytona 500, is that real close? Today? Oh, sweet. Wow. You know what those guys do? They hit the track, man, and they only do left turns, right? I mean, they got this thing going, though, and they are running like crazy. And you know what? That engine never gets a break, never, and they don't last long. Sometimes they blow them in the first part of the race. You know why? ain't getting no rest. And if you drove it like you drive Miss Daisy, that car would last you forever. Hello? Anyway. So here's the Sabbath. I rest my body on the Sabbath. I restore my spirit. That's what worship is about. You come in here, and we said your praise goes on and on. And, And we talked about oceans and when our feet may fail and how God is with us. And then we talked about through the fire. These are where we We've rested our body on the Sabbath, but we we restore our spirit. Now, oh Lord, I need to say something about this. We recharge our emotions. You see, you need to do something that restores and re-energizes you. And and let let me just move on. I heard this guy, he says, uh, he says, pastor, I tried to call you on Monday and I called and called and called. And the pastor said, well, I'm sorry, I take the day off on Monday. The man said, well, the devil never takes a day off. The pastor said, yeah, and if I didn't, I'd be just like him. <laughs> the third thing you've got to do, the third habit you've got to develop, it comes out of that psalm as well, is to recharge my soul with beauty. You remember what he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? The, the second one, a moment ago, he makes me light in green pastures. Watch this. He restores my soul. He restores us with beauty. Did you know, Rick Warren said, ugliness stresses us out. He said, but beauty inspires us. Why did God paint a sunset so beautiful? It's relaxing to look at. Why is it when the sun's coming up over the Atlantic, why is it so beautiful? Because God is such an artist. Why is it that we look at the lilies of the field and we look at the flowers and we say, oh, look how beautiful. Look at the birds and how majestic. And we go to the mountains and we look at, look how beautiful the mountains. And we go all to go, you know, we go to Tennessee or North Carolina when the leaves are changing. Why? Because it is beautiful. And beauty takes the blood pressure down. Y'all with me? I mean, it takes away the stress. So, you know, he could have made the earth just. Looked like the moon. Ugly, and craters everywhere. Nope. He made it beautiful. Just like the Garden of Eden. Did you know what he said? Um, uh, Pastor Warren said, Man was built for a garden, not a skyscraper. He said, That's why we go inside our buildings and our cubicles and we work, 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 work. I mean, we stress ourselves and stress ourselves and we come home and stress ourselves even more. And we never walk through the garden. I'm gonna have to challenge you and I'm right here with you. I'm gonna have to to challenge you to take that Sabbath. Work, but then on that Sabbath, do what relaxes your body. Rest your body, rejuvenate your spirit. Align yourself with God. Let me me move on. Uh, So he makes me lie down uh, in lush green meadows. He restores my soul. See, nature refreshes us. He gives us these beautiful scenes. So let me say this. Here's something else you, you think about. is to start the day with God. Get up. And the first, you know, the first seven minutes of your life sets the tone for your day. Did you know that? So let me say this. Some of us are so attuned to the news. The first thing we get up in the morning, we got to have it on CNN or Fox or MSNBC, whatever it is you watch. And uh, man, I want to tell you something. If you want to get stressed out, Just watch the news all the time. Amen. It stresses me out. Uh, And and I got got to, did you know what? I could quit watching it for two weeks and turn it back on and they'd probably be right about where they left off. Are you with me? And the thing is, is I wouldn't have to put up with all the foolishness and all the stress because I will to tell you something, man, if, uh, you know, Everything that goes on, man, is, it's headlines. If it'll sell a newspaper or if it'll, tell, if it'll sell a TV spot, that's just how it is. So uh, start the day with the Lord. Um, get out of bed and worship him. Do something with him. And then intentionally set some beauty around you. Amen. Uh, you're most like your creator when you're being creative and when you're thinking, you know what? Pastor Rick said this. He said, Sometimes I come home and I've just been, you know, I'm stressed out. He said, I'll just sit down at the piano and just sort of relax. Sit down at the guitar. He said, I don't care if it's the kazoo, the ukulele, do something to take the stress level down. So I don't know how I'll ever get to all this, but uh, let me just say this you could miss. So much of the news for forever, and you ain't really missed much. So, you want to spend all that time? The truth of the matter is, there ain't nothing we can do but pray about it anyway. So, pray, seek the Lord. And then, you know, the next thing we need to do is go to God for guidance. Go to God for guidance. You see, the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of himself, uh, let him ask of God who gives liberally and upbraideth not. So in, in the psalm, as we looked at that psalm, he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my name, uh, restores my soul for his name's so, sake, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not gonna fear any He's with me, His rod and His staff, they comfort me. But you and I, we go to everybody else for guidance. Let me show you the craziest one. 1-800-PSYCHIC, or whatever it is. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's right out of hell, y'all know that. It is right out of hell. Well, I gotta go to my horoscope to find out. That's right there akin to it. I gotta read the tarot cards or I gotta have somebody read my palm. Every time I pass by one of places, I say, curse be that place in the name of Jesus. May fire fall out of heaven and consume it. Listen, if you really believe all that foolishness, Go down and ask them for the winning lottery numbers and then come back and pay the church off next week. It's a money making scheme. Don't go to everybody else for guidance and for God's sake, don't go to somebody that don't know the Lord at all. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. But go to somebody who's been through something. Go to somebody who's got a reputation for being strong in the midst of the storm. Go to the right people for guidance. Go to God for guidance. Man, forget the pastor. Go to God. Man, I'll tell you anything. He can tell you the truth. So, God, I need wisdom. If we'll pray for it, God will give it. And then, Thy rod and a staff, thy company, I want to tell you something. Valleys is part of life. You're going to go through hard times. I need to say this because I need to move on. This is number five. Trust God in the dark valleys of your life. And if you haven't had one, you will. Let me say this. One of the most common sources of stress is loss. You can lose your job. You can lose your health. You can lose your wife. You can lose your children. You can lose your mind. You can lose your money. You can lose your health. You can lose your reputation. You can lose a loved one. But you cannot lose God unless you walk out. And it's on you. You can choose to come back. Let me say this. So when you go through loss, there's always two common reactions. One is fear and the other is grief. Grief is good and fear is bad. Grief is a good thing. The Bible says, Godly people grieve. Watch this, and I'm going to try to tie this up. Matter of fact, go ahead and stand with me if you will. Grief is a godly emotion. In fact, if you don't grieve, hear me when I say this if you don't grieve, you get stuck. Some of you have had major losses in your life and in the past and you've just shoved it down up under the rug, stuffed it. Instead of giving, time to grieve. And when you stuff it down, you get stuck emotionally and you never go any further because you didn't go through the grieving process. There's a cycle of grief. I, I wish I, have got it in my office. I don't have it memorized, but you never can go any further Maybe you need to just go back and pull that out from under the rug and grieve for a few days. It's all right, it's a godly thing to grieve. Grieving won't kill us. Stop pushing that pain down, grieve it and let it out. And God will help us to deal with it. Outside of that, it continues to stress us and stress us and stress us until our body can't take it no more. On the other hand, fear is a bad thing. Grieve if you must, that's okay. But fear is a bad thing. Fear paralyzes us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'll fear no evil. Why? You're with me. You're riding staff to comfort me. Let me say this. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, here's something I've learned about shadows. It could be a shadow of an 18-wheeler. And I could be right here sitting on the curb and that 18-wheeler goes right by and its shadow runs right over me. Don't hurt me a bit. Shadows never hurt anybody. Sometimes they've made you hurt yourself. But shadows can't kill you. Here's something else I've learned about a shadow, is if there is a shadow, there is a light on the other side if there is a shadow now some of you are going through right now the shadow of debt the shadow of worry the shadow of shattered relationships the shadow of a lost job the shadow of a lost child the shadow of this or that or the other but I'm telling you where there is a shadow there is a light hallelujah hallelujah So turn your back to the shadow and look toward the light. My goodness, I wish I had time to tell you all this. Let God be my defender, that's number six for your notes. Let God be my defender, I don't have time to preach it. Number seven is to uh, expect God to finish what he starts in me. Let me say this, God made no mistakes. I got 20 minutes of preaching left in no time, but let me just say this, he's my defender. The gist of it is this. I get called stuff all the time. I have people, and you know what they say about me don't bother me as much as it does what they might say about the church. And I feel like I need to be the spokesman to speak back up, and, but you know what? I don't have to say one word. When they railed on Jesus, he spoke not a word. They accused him of trees and everything else. He opened not his mouth. Let me say this, God is my defender. I don't have to say a word. It doesn't matter what they say about me or you or the church, God is our defender and he knows our heart. That was number six. Number seven, he will finish what he started. We know that God who has begun a good work in us is able to bring to fruition that that he has started. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light and he did not call you for no reason. He is able to bring you up out of the dunghill, up out of the ash heap. He's able to establish your foot on a solid rock. He is able to help you keep going. He didn't call you at the pit to just wallow in the mud and the mire and complain all the time. No, sir, no, ma'am. He's able to establish you. And he's able to complete in you. My friend, he is able to finish what he started. Let's pray. Father. I'm asking you right now for these that are here, Lord, they really need to trust in you. You've you've got to be, they got to look to you, oh God, because you are the provider, you're the source. Lord, we look to you for guidance. We look to you for beauty. Lord, we look to you to be our defender. We look to you to finish what you started. God, uh, I just lay my life in your hands today. So if you're here today while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and listen, nobody's looking around, maybe you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior. You say, Pastor, man, you're preaching right to me today. I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord. I need to bring the stress level down in my life. I've tried to fix it and I can't do it. Let me ask you, you're here, would you just put your hand right up in the air and right back down, come on. How about you, one, two, three, hands, four hands already. Somebody else, how about sir, ma'am? Yeah, give the Lord praise. Come on, five hands. Oh yeah, five hands. Here here it is, simple as this. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, "If, if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, that God raised his son Jesus from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so Lord, I believe in you today that you raised Jesus from the dead and I accept Jesus as the Lord of my life and therefore according to the word of God, I am saved. That ought to reduce some stress right there. Now listen, what I need you to do, if you have prayed that prayer with me, I need you to take a hay card that's right there and I need you to check on the back of that that I accepted Jesus.